Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Writers. What's going on, everyone, and welcome to episode 31 of the Nassiman Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Writers Podcasting Network. I'm one of your hosts, James Nichols, and as always, I'm here with my good buddy, John Zella, up in the Adirondacks this week. What's up, pal? Nothing much, just hanging out, enjoying the foliage. I'm a, I'm a leaf peeper, as they say. Yeah, you uh, and, off it, and I saw leaves come out of your hair. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough couple of days out here in the woods. Uh, no, it's it was just, just coming up here and relaxing and doing some hiking and outdoorsy stuff that us uh, upstaters do. And yeah, just having a good time. Nice, nice. And today we are joined by none other than AM New York's and the newest member of the National Hockey Podcast, Joe Pantorno, what's going on, bud? Gentlemen, thank you so much again for having me. It's great to be back. And John, am I jealous of you? Because I want to be where no people are right now. So I'm very envious. It's a good time. I like being kind of away. I mean, central New York's not that busy anyway. um, But this is like up a dirt road and a hill and this thing and that thing. And um, yeah, getting on hikes, getting away. I'm exhausted, but. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm exhausted, uh, too, after a long day of covering the uh, 2020 NHL draft. But before we get to that, let's just talk about our sponsor real quick. Today's episode is brought to you by uh, Oyster Bay Brewing Company, the makers of the Barn Rocker and the official beer of the New York Islanders. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to the nautical history and Gold Coast of Long Island. Their products are thoroughly New York at heart, blending new and old world techniques and creativity and style. Head to OysterBayBrewing.com to see the full lineup of amazing beards, hard seltzers, and pick up some merch to represent one of Long Island's best breweries. You can also follow them on Twitter and Instagram at OysterBayBrewing, Twitter with no G, and visit their brewery at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week. Um, All right, so let's just get into the NHL draft a little bit today. So uh, definitely a slow, slow, slow draft i mean we're talking it's nine uh nine o'clock at night now that we're we're recording this and the draft just ended i want to say what an hour or two ago and it started friday night at seven o'clock so uh it 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 took a while but uh you know a few things happened um first notably in my in my opinion uh i want to talk about lamorello's mission going into this draft and it was clearly to two things one to acquire some size, and two, to acquire some scores. And he, he did just that. Uh, when you looked up and down the board, you got uh, someone, you know, a player standing at 6'1", 185, 6'195", 6'3", 200, 6'3", 200, and 6'8". I mean, talk about size, right? Is this something that is happening around the NHL or only some teams doing this? Joe, James, what did, what did you see? Is this a theme? Uh, it's, it's partly a theme. I think it's also partly about something in the water. I mean, these kids are just something else. I mean, 18 years old and they're coming out like monsters. I mean, you know, a 6'8 goalie, a, a 6'4 D-man who, I mean, just turned uh, 18. One of the, uh, one of the youngest uh, prospects available in the draft, uh, Matthias Rajanyemi, I think is how you say his name. Um, about a month after his 18th birthday, he's already 6'4, 205. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, this kid's only going to mature more. So, yeah, like you said, um, you know, I think size certainly had a lot to play with uh, the Islanders draft strategy. And, 
uh, they checked off what boxes they could considering they were handcuffed. Yeah, they definitely were handcuffed without a first and second round pick. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like they tried to find a couple of diamonds in the rough here. Uh, their first pick came at pick number 90. They they chose Alexander Youngkrontz. And I don't murder me if I butchered that. That's the, that's the video I watched. I heard the pronunciation. I tried to mimic it. My fiance made fun of me. And now we're here and I'm saying it again. Alexander Youngkrontz. I think that's how you say it. He is the... Uh, first pick for Lou Lamorello at pick 90. Um, and this one was said to be a little bit of a reach. Uh, he projected as a sixth round pick. Um, but I, I guess they saw something that they like with the kid. You know, he's, he's got a, a good build. Uh, he's said to be able to know how to fill the net. Uh, power play specialist I saw, which is definitely something that the Islanders lack. So I guess, you know, uh, Lamorello came in here thinking to himself, what is it that we lack right now? And it's definitely... <laughs> you know, scoring and especially on the power play. So, uh, Joe, you have anything on young Kronz? Uh, yeah. I mean, first off, incredibly impressive that you're rolling the R's. You are far you like more that? cultured. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You are far more cultured than I will ever be. Uh, so props to you just for that. Um, yeah, no, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I'm, a, I'm equating this to how Lou and Barry kind of navigated the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there, obviously there's a ton of shiny objects on the shelves, but they were going to look for the right guy that fits their mold. And young Kronz is, is exactly that. He's a two-way player. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He can play on the boards. Um, and plus he's, you know, he's got speed and he's got a powerful wrist shot. I mean, that, and, and really that's all you can really ask for in a young prospect like that. And again, at this point, especially now, because scouting was so hampered due to the uh, the pandemic and everything, um, this is as just as big a crapshoot, if not larger than ever. Um, so, you know, just go, by going off those intangibles, I mean, that's something that the Islanders can work with and something they can mold, just like they've been able to mold an entire roster of afterthoughts and nobodies and never will be's or has been's, and they've taken them as far as they have. So, uh, you know, again, I've seen a lot of fans saying, you know, we trust Lou and, and there's really nothing that should, uh, I guess, make them stray away from that notion, at least for now. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, there's no reason not to trust him. And, uh, you know, another thing I saw on him, too, was that he, you know, he'll he'll definitely uh, I shouldn't say definitely, but he's projected to maybe fill a, a bottom six role, um, you know, despite being able to maybe fill in on the power play and, and be effective on the power play but he's also good on on the the penalty kill he's good shorthanded and and you know if i ever heard of a of a barry trotz styled player like you know that he he definitely sounds like one so um they definitely drafted to their their coaches needs their coaches likes and and uh uh young Kronz, i'm actually a little excited to see what he can bring so uh that's that that was their first pick that with uh, in the third round their their next pick was alex jeffries uh, at six foot, 195 pounds, and uh, this was another goal scorer. I think at every level he was known to be a goal scorer, um, and I, I didn't see too much negativity about him. The one, the one uh, thing that you could say that w was a little bit of a concern was that although he's fast, his skating isn't really of the NHL mold just yet. So he's got to work on his skating. But I mean. It seems pretty consistent uh, throughout every year that he's, you know, he plays thirty something games, he scores thirty something goals. So, Joe, you got anything on uh, Jeffries? Uh, yeah, and I, I really hate using this comparison because I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. But his style of play alone, 
um, is Matthew Barzal-esque, just incredibly raw, um, where he needs to kind of fine-tune his skating abilities to, you know, match the NHL pace. And that's, you know, lengthening those strides and, uh, you know, just upping that vision a little bit. But he is a distributor. Um, you know, he can he can still find the plays. Um, he has showed a goal-scoring prowess, which is promising, but at the end of the day, he's doing that in the USHS Prep League. I mean, you know, granted, that's going to slow down when he starts playing against professionals or when he starts ascending through those professional ranks. So um, really, that that's his main, his number one um, kind of go-getting headlining quality is that skating ability. So once he can really kind of hone in on that, um, you know, who knows? Maybe you can have something between a Barzal and a Hosang in terms of uh, skating and puck handling, but maybe a little bit more uh, reserved in a way. That sounds nice. Uh, I like the way that sounds. <laughs> uh, what, their next pick, though, in the fifth round was actually, uh, to me, uh, the most surprising because I actually, you know, I, I'm not I'm not big on uh, making my own draft boards and stuff, but I do like to do my fair amount of research on prospects and uh, – William DeFore was their fifth round pick, and uh, a lot of people had him higher than than when he was drafted. Uh, some had said he's actually, you know, possibly a second round talent. Um, I know that he had a, maybe a little bit of a slow start after being uh, selected sixth overall in the QMJHL draft. Um, he bounced around to a couple of teams, but then when he finally turned it on, he, you know, he was a above a point per game player. So uh, William DeFore, another winger. That's three wingers in a row that they selected. Um, another goal scorer said to be pretty good on the power play. What do you got on him? Yeah, this is what I think a lot of Islander fans are, are looking for in terms of uh, future talent or possible upgrades. Grant that it's going to be down the road a bit. Uh, but this guy brings a shoot first mentality. Um, and you go up and down the Islanders roster right now. How many people can you say that about? Right. Uh, ob- obviously not many. Um, but listen, I mean, he, he is a shoot-first mentality style of player, but he's also – he shows a lot of maturity for his age. Um, he, and he's actually a pretty cheeky goal scorer, if you ask me, because, you know, I've, I've been able to watch his tapes and what he's able to do, which I really love. Um, and you don't see this from a lot of 18-year-olds. Um, he keeps his stick blade closed when he's shooting. Um, and that basically kind of takes all of the um, – predicting or identifying work of the goaltender. And it kind of throws it out the window because they're basically stuck guessing. Um, He's not afraid to shoot low, which I really like. Um, And he's kind of shown that ability where he can be a sniper. Um, Again, it's just how high is that ceiling? Uh, Because, you know, we, we see it here in the amateurs and the juniors and well, sure. It's, it's promising like that. And he's kind of come on as of late, but um, at the same time, again, you, you, you just, I'd like to label him as more of a dark horse where you're really not going to see this guy coming, which is why he probably fell to the Islanders in the fifth round as he did. Um, So, yeah, maybe that is that, you know, all elusive diamond in the rough where uh, this kid can come on and uh, be that power play guy where, um, again, I'm always hesitant to do the comparisons, but (laughs) it's an an Islanders target. Um, It has that Mike Hoffman mentality where – He's getting the puck on the power play, and if you give him an inch of space, he's throwing it at the net. Um, and I think that's what yeah. the Islanders need. Yeah, definitely. You know, before we get move on to the next couple of prospects, 
it's it's no secret the Islanders actually do have some pretty good luck in in the later rounds of of drafts. You know, I know this is only the the what is it the third Lou Lamorello draft, right? Correct. Yep. The yep. third Lou Lamorello draft, and, and for the most part, the luck has come through uh, some good scouting uh, by Garth Snow's regime. Um, but you know, there, there's no reason to to believe that that's changed at at, at this point. So. Um, I, I like what the Islanders did going three wingers, uh, three rounds in a row and, and big ones at that. It's, it's good to see, um, goal scoring, uh, minded players too. That's, that's definitely a, a refreshing new take that we haven't really seen from the, from the Islanders. So, uh, good to see, uh, with their sixth round pick, they move on to, uh, Matthias Rajaniemi. And, uh, like you said before, he was actually one of the youngest players in the draft. Uh, he's a defenseman. He's he's six foot four, right-handed defenseman, um, and I, I liked the outlook I saw on this guy. That you know he was trusted as um, you know a, a power play quarterback. Um, he he gained some minutes, even though he was one of the younger guys on on the team. He he was trusted to have some top line minutes. Um, and, and I read an article on um, the Athletic that had actually said, uh, you know, this guy's got top four def- uh, defense potential. Yeah, um, it's there. It's again, it's super promising, and I'd I'd almost like to equate it to a a little bit more of an athletic and agile version of Johnny Boychuk, um, where he yeah. has that size. He's super tough along the boards, but he also brings that heavy shot, um, like you said, where it can quarterback a power play. Where Boychuk was more of a, all right, I'm going to park myself on the point, and I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. Uh, this guy's going to have maybe a little bit of Ryan Pulak in him, for example, but also it's going to be a little bit more tenacity in his game like that. Um, but again, I mean, you know, it, it, it all looks nice on paper. Yeah, and then finally the seventh round uh, rolls around and the Islanders take their first goaltender in Henrik Tikkanen. Uh, and he's the goaltender standing at six foot eight, 201 pounds. And my God, he is a mammoth. Uh, we, we discussed a little bit before we hit record. So that's very Andre Vasilevsky esque, uh, from what I've seen, he's raw, but calm in the crease. He has some, uh, he's definitely got some skill, but he's got some technical things to work on. Um, I don't know who better to teach him than Mitch Korn and Pierre Greco. Um, but the Islanders with their seventh round pick, they, they find another possible piece to the future. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to. I'm not sitting here saying that every single one of these guys are going to hit, but they they all have good outlook. Uh, not one of these guys, you know, have I read where it was like, yeah, that was a bit of a of a reach, or or they shouldn't have taken that guy. He probably should have went undrafted. All of these uh, all these picks have been pretty good, and, and I like you know that that last pick. I don't know too many goaltenders that were taken. Honestly, I know Askarov obviously was the first one. Um, he went to the the Predators in the first round. Um, but in the last round, uh, I'm seeing Tickenin is actually a, a good find that late in the draft. Sure. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that he has to do some polishing on his game. And um, really, it's kind of like um, a baby deer learning how to walk. Because, again, right. this is a 18, 19, 20-year-old kid, and he's 6'8". So he's still kind of trying to figure out, you know, okay, well, what does this do? And what does this right. do? And what does that do? Guy's massive, and obviously he's going to come into his own. He's going to learn what to do with that size. Um, but I think what's really most important, and again, what you touched on, is um, how he's calm. It, it, it all, well, a lot of it when it comes to goaltending has to do with what's between the ears. Um, so if you're able to get a composed prospect, 
And again, a six, eight kid that can take up, you know, 75% of the net just by existing. Yeah. Um, that's huge. Um, and again, the Islanders probably aren't going to have a goaltending issue for a long time <laughs> in a perfect world. Cause, uh, you know, why would you go and jinx it like that? You, you know what? You're, you're right. <laughs> that, that wasn't nice. And listen, put it's still going to resign him. He's an RFA next year, man. Exactly. They still... <laughs> listen, it's on record. I will take full blame if things go south, but at least for now, things appear promising at the goaltending position. But John, as you just said, well, it's it's nice to have some depth just in case, right? So for sure, for sure. Yeah, the farm with goalies isn't looking great for the Islanders. So they definitely need, you know, Sorokin was a long time coming. This is six years later, five, six years later yeah. for, for Sorokin. So yeah. to, to be able to do that, and they traded some of these guys away. It's not even like Barube was down there kind of just hanging around. McCammon isn't around anymore either. He was traded at some yeah. point. He I was in the, uh, I think he was in the Matt Martin deal. Yeah, right. he was. So, yeah. like, there, Gibson is maybe around. Yeah, he's around. He's like uh, he's. I think they. I think they actually might have to sign him, or they did sign him, uh, to to continue playing in the AHL. But uh, Soderstrom didn't get qualified. Right. I mean, he he had a, a. I think a bad injury last year. He he barely played, and I think was on and off for a while. So that doesn't yeah. help. Um. So yeah, I think uh, stocking the coffers with. With at least a goalie, and until you can find something else and you know make some trades, it's it's kind of unfortunate that you know we're going to lose a guy like Grice who's been around through some thick and thin for a while. But um, and you don't have there's no waiting on Sorokin. He's there and he's got to perform. And he's and they do have to resign him after next year. Yeah. Um, but that's that's next year's problem, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it's it's funny that you, you mentioned the goaltending situations. Uh, you know, the, the trades weren't too, too uh, many in this draft, but there was one major trade. Uh, Matt Murray finds his uh, himself on his way to Ottawa in exchange for a second round pick. And I believe uh, a prospect whose name I forget. Um, but, you know, yeah, so the, the, the Penguins extend Tristan Jari to a uh, two or three year extension. Uh, there was question what's going to happen with Matt Murray. Are they going to roll one A, one B? Uh, it seems like the Penguins were down on on Matt Murray. They they uh, really went with Jari in the in the playoffs and in at, at crucial points in the season, and they they veered away from Matt Murray. Um, do you guys like this this move for the Ottawa Senators? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the deal for for Ottawa. This is a team where um, basically it's it's kind of like they just underwent an expansion draft um, over the last couple of days with the amount of picks that they accrued. We know that they're a rebuilding team, um, and they've been kind of stuck in neutral for the past couple of years. So this was, uh, especially the Murray deal, it was a really nice move to kind of state intent. Like, hey, you know what? We're going to start or at least try to move in the right direction. Um, we're getting a two-time Stanley Cup winner at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, um, long, you know, long, making a, an easy answer long-winded. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's a really nice move for them. I think he's going to bring some stability in the crease. And I think that change of scenery is also going to help out Murray because, um, you know, he was kind of put under the microscope. I mean, obviously we saw him come in and, you know, he's immediately winning cups, but when things went South in Pittsburgh, they were brutal on him. Um, so when you're coming in where the expectations are kind of low, 
um, you can kind of help change the culture there. Um, and at least that's what I expect to see from him and, you know, see a little bit of a, a boost in his numbers in Ottawa. Yeah, he has a lot of playoff experience. He's still only 26. Um, so he, he can kind of be part of a core going forward for the next four or six years, uh, and maybe a little bit longer. Um, I'd love to see Ottawa have some success. Lord knows they need it. Um, so it's kind of nice to have somebody with that caliber in the locker room. I don't know that anyone else is there. I mean, Bobby Ryan, um, I believe he won the cup with the ducks and over a decade ago. Um, but there's no one really in that locker room that has a a ton of experience. So it's kind of nice to have Murray there to, to kind of be an anchor there on the back end. And they have a couple really nice prospects, I think coming up, whoever they got from, uh, either, from maybe from Vegas for the um, man, I'm I'm totally Mark Stone. They they, they got Mark Brand, Stone trade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they so they have that. You know, they in the next few years they can kind of build that back end up a little bit, and um, you know, start from then out. You you get a guy guy like that in there. Um, it's one less thing you have to worry about. And again, it, it, it I don't know what his contract is, but if he's locked up for the next maybe four years, or you can re-sign him, it's pretty good. Yeah, things are definitely looking up for Ottawa. I, I like you guys said, you know, you touched on Murray having the playoff experience, the Stanley Cup experience, um, and, and winning two cups. He knows what it takes to win, and I think he's he's going to be a good piece to go into Ottawa and, and really mold the minds of the young players there. You know, they they have Brady Kachuk, who's uh, I think just twenty years old now. They have uh, this the new kid they just drafted, Stutzel, who's uh, uh, they are saying Patrick Kane two point maybe maybe not as good, but you know he's of that that caliber. Um, so they got a lot of good young players there and, uh, you know, going forward, I, I think that they're, uh, they're in pretty good shape. They might be sneaky good this year. Um, but the, there was another trade that uh, not many, not many names, uh, were, were traded. There was just, I think two, maybe, maybe three under the radar, but the, the other big trade was the New York Rangers send Lias Anderson to the Los Angeles Kings for uh, a second round pick. And, um, you know, it didn't really work out for the Rangers and Elias Anderson. Uh, we always knew that, you know, he was a little bit of, uh, uh, and uh, I don't want to say a head case, but he wore his heart on his sleeve. You know, you saw in that in that gold medal game in, in the World Juniors, he threw the the medal into the crowd, and he was upset that they lost, and he you know he gave it away, and he had to you know do a whole apology about that, and then he was you know clashing with the Rangers organization. He felt he deserved more minutes and everything, so. Uh, it's a new start for Elias Anderson, who I think also, by the way, his father is a scout with the Kings. Um, and it, it, it's a good trade for both sides, in my opinion, because the Kings that maybe that helps them jumpstart their rebuild a little, a little further. I know they still have, you know, Kopitar and, and Brown there and, and Andrew Doughty. Um, but you know, they still got, a, they got young guys coming up too in, in, in Turcotte, uh, Villardi, and, and now they got, uh, Elias Anderson there, so their their center core is looking pretty good, um, and, and I think a fresh start was needed. And and the Rangers get get a uh, I think they took a defenseman with that pick, so I, I think it was a good uh, trade for both sides. Yeah, Elias Anderson always really had a short leash when he got to New York, um, and again, I think that comes with the or that came with some of the preconceived notions of his antics that we did see at the World Juniors, um, and yeah, I mean. You know, for three years he was with the organization. He appeared in 66 games. And um, what was it? I think he had like three goals and six assists. The production wasn't there. Um, it, 
it just wasn't the right combination. And, you know, obviously when, when you take somebody with the number seven pick, you have pretty lofty expectations that you put on their shoulders. Um, but, you know, that demonstrative side of Anderson, once he started kind of getting on that carousel between the NHL and the AHL, um, he, he showed his true colors, unfortunately, to the point where, um, you know, he basically deserted Hartford, the AHL club. He ran away to Sweden. Um, you know, he was suspended by the Rangers or whatever. And uh, then, he you know, he demands a trade. And then uh, the Rangers at the same time, that you know, they still extend the olive branch. Um, you know, this summer when they were coming back from the pandemic, uh, they still invited him to come work out with the team over the summer. And he, he wanted no part of him. So there was no way that this was being salvaged. Um, so, yeah, props to the Rangers for being able to, you know, get a second round pick for this guy when really he, his value was, you know, it, it was slim to none. Um, so, you know, Jeff Gordon, he he had a hell of a couple of nights. And obviously it helps when you get the number one draft pick. But um, he did some pretty nifty wheeling and dealing in the process as well. This the Anderson situation reminds me a lot of the Hosang situation on, on Long Island. And he was he was qualified uh last week and we and we spoke with molly walker about that but i wanted to get your opinion on how how the islanders move forward with that considering the rangers kind of give up on a guy that you know had some off-ice issues and it's hosang i think there's a lot we don't know um i don't know that it's it's really fair to to have too much of an opinion and on his on his on his personality we know he's outspoken we we imagine he's the same way behind closed doors but we don't really know, especially since Lou came on board. It's not like anything's going to leak. He's been on that carousel. I was I was surprised to see that. And if we hadn't had him qualified by now, Hosang, I would have expected the same thing in that situation as Anderson with the Rangers, that he was just traded to, to wherever. He has a little bit of a different problem because he was waived in this and then he wasn't picked up. So um, it's convoluted and and complicated but um what are your thoughts on how does that compare why did he get qualified where do they go how do they salvage it if, if at all yeah it's uh it, it's a bit of a mess right now to try and sift through everything uh with the hosting situation and um i i will say this right now like lias anderson josh hosang does not have any value um and the Islanders obviously in the past have, you know, taken flyers on trade talks that have concerned him. And um, obviously they didn't like what they heard or else he would have been out of here by now. Um, so part of me would like to think that, you know, they qualified him in an attempt to maybe raise his value. But there is another um, kind of unexplainedly optimistic side of me, which I'm not really sure why that is. Um I still think that the organization might see something in him. Um, and I know that's going to get people either bent out of shape or super hopeful or too hopeful. <laughs> um, but again, uh, I, I don't have anything about him in front of me. How old is he? 24 years old, 25 years old by now. Oh, I mean, he, he's a young guy. I mean, he's yeah. a, if he's in his mid twenties, um, right. I, I think the thing is when, when we see him play, he just he's he skates really well. And I just think, and I've said this to James, had they given him a chance at any one of these points, whether this was with Snow or with Lou, over the last four years, he's been pro for a long time. He's been around right. the organization. And 
you know, in the AHL, it's kind of tough to judge play on some of these guys. You're, you're kind of playing with a mixed bag. There's a lot of guys in and out. Every offseason, there's a lot of changes. The young guys on those teams are usually the most consistent. They're kind of waiting for their chance. The Lightning and the Crunch were probably one of the weirder examples where they had a core of guys kind of stick around year after year and um, some veterans stick around. Corey Conacher, former Islander, has been on that team on the Crunch for, for some time. So, you know, there's something just, you know, good, as you said earlier, some good water in that organization. Um, but with, with Hosang, I always thought that if they had given him a chance by now, he would, he's easily a middle six guy. I, I think he's like that anyway. The way that he skates and if they had just, I mean, again, over two seasons with trots, imagine just kind of being around the team and, and doing those things over two years. Uh, he could have changed his game quite a bit. You know, we, uh, James likes to say, look what he did with with um, with Ovechkin. Um, you know, we could talk about line A too, but, you know, imagine what he could do with line A and, and some of these high-level offensive players. Um, he he never got the chance to do that with Hosang, and Hosang never really got an honest shot in, in the show. No, you're... I I 100% agree with you. Uh, basically, basically on almost everything you said because you know it, it's hard to gauge a player's well, some players' talents while they're kind of relegated to the AHL. Because also, what's the motivation factor when you're a guy like Josh Hosang and you're constantly back and forth, back and forth? Um, you can only imagine how disheartening that is. You know, to get down to the AHL, what's that motivation coming from every night? Where's that fire going to get lit under your butt for? Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard to get that, but, and, and I'm not, I, I don't want to correlate the two or put two and two together. Um, but a couple of years ago when he was with the team in the 10 games that he played in, the Islanders were nine and one. Yep. And listen, late, he, late 18, right. And during the 18, 19 yeah. season. Yeah. And, and listen, I mean, it's not that he was, you know, when he was on the ice, it wasn't. You know, he was the constant point of conversation, which was a good thing. He was right. doing the right thing. He was doing what he was asked. He was showing semblances of back checking, trying to play yes. that trots defensive style of play. It's there. And like I said, because he's so young, some guys just need a little bit more time. Yeah. Um, and again, how many more years can we give this guy? How much more patient can we possibly be with him? Well, you know what? I mean, again, this is a very talented hockey player. But was there even the right amount of time given? I think that's my, no. my problem is no. I don't I don't think at any point over the last four seasons he was given, you know, more than ten games in a row of actual not just in the press box with the team doing the whole young guy hanging around like Dobson did, you know, you get your handful here and there. I don't think it was ever ever really fair. I think over the last two years, it would have been great to have somebody just offensive minded. And we're gonna talk about you know, possible things a little bit later and, and, and offensive players that fit the Islanders mold, but as, as they're currently constructed, but I, I, I'm sure on the power play, even, you know, before Peugeot, who's not exactly a shoot shot first guy. Um, and, and as we said about some of these draft picks, like you, you, you pick them for that particular reason. And then you don't put them in the, in the spot to succeed. And then you wonder why, you know, your power play stinks and this and X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't really surprise anybody. Um, his speed alone, just with Barzal and Bovillier, Sezikis when he's healthy, Pajot, I don't think, we, I don't think enough was given to how fast Pajot is seeing him kind of 
race for those pucks uh, throughout the playoffs. I don't know. You, you wind up. Um, I know they have some big guys that they drafted, and and I and the league is kind of trending back towards that bigger player. But having a guy like that around is not going to be a bad thing. Part of, part of me wonders if they're just not married to the idea of, of utilizing him just because they didn't draft him. You know, it was Garth Snow who drafted him. Uh, Garth Snow who traded up for him. So it's almost like, you know, we, we didn't draft this guy. We didn't we weren't here with him from, from the beginning. So, you know, we came in knowing a little bit about his history. And is it something that we want to deal with? Uh, maybe it's that. I'm not saying it is. But, you know, you just have to wonder when when you really when you look at it down on paper and you see, OK, they were nine and one and he, he was a. Uh, wasn't even a minus on on the ice. You know, he he contributed. He had uh, a couple of assists. He had a couple of goals. I just don't see why he can't break through. Um, but you know, now that we're in this cap crunch era, like we said last week, that contract, you know, it helps. Maybe he fits in. Maybe you know, Wallstrom doesn't take that step this year. Maybe Bellows isn't fast enough to compete this year. Uh, you know, so we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with Hosang. It, it's very possible that he's still on the roster. Uh, I almost said come September, come <laughs> we're in October, come January, because uh, the the projected start date is January first, uh, as per Gary Bettman. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Isn't it, it? I think it's. It, I like feel like I'm banging my head against the wall because then they they want to extend a guy like Broussard, so it takes away. A spot from a Wallstrom or a Hosang, yeah. It it kind of puts a thought in Wallstrom's head. Oh man, I, I, now I'm an extra guy. They already have Johnston and Komarov and Dal Cole, and then now we we're going to bring Broussard back, and they might be bringing a top line winger that moves somebody down the lineup. And it's and even Hosang is like, why am I going to sign a qualifying offer on Long Island? <laughs> where where am I going to play? I don't want to be in the press box. And so, you know, you're the 18th forward. Yeah, it, it, it I, I just don't understand. It does. As, an, as a fan, I, like, I'm, I'm baffled by that because right. you're, you're taking up a contract spot either with Broussard or Hosang. I, I suppose pick one. I know Trotz likes his veteran guys, but just as all this is, it's a, it's a contract spot. It's another nine hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is on on a cap that's not going up um unless they know something we don't about trading a one of these bigger uh, a Komarov contract or a boy truck contract uh, i don't know i mean barzell could at a minimum get eight by eight <laughs> right so you know that, that's I, what i'm saying you know that and that's what i think is happening here i think we just don't know what's going to happen it's still so early the draft just ended free agency opens on Friday. So when you're listening to this, it will be tomorrow. There's just so much time left, even though it feels so concentrated that the amount of time between now and the start of the next season and between, you know, now and even just free agency, the season just ended. The draft is already over. They're about to hit free agency. Things are going to happen quick. And we'll know, I think, pretty soon what's going to happen. But you're going to unfortunately see Probably, you know, a, a Johnny Poichuk contract being moved. And, and these these moves will start to make more sense soon, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's going to be tough to understand what's going on with Hosang until we see how it all you know unfolds. But 
there is a very good possibility that he could be in the lineup January 1st or is a very good possibility that he could be traded by January 1st. So I, I wouldn't be surprised by either situation. You know, I, I could see him playing in the, in the bottom six. I could see him playing in the top six for Detroit. You know, it could, it could just it could shake out that way. Um, but the, the rumor mill is crazy right now. The amount of names on the rumor mill is insane. As I'm watching the draft before, uh, you know, Brian Burke mentions William Nylander's name found the rumor mill again because, uh, you know, Toronto needs to move some cap space around, maybe acquire someone with a, uh, some grit, maybe a defender. Um, this happens often. I, I don't with William Nylander. I don't necessarily think that he's actually on the rumor mill, but if he is available, is that not a guy that you have to say, Lou? Go get that guy right now. What are you waiting for? It, it seems like we're having this conversation every offseason now. Um, <laughs> and I swear to God, if I, if I see one more fan pounding his keyboard on Twitter saying, his name is like the Islanders. He's got to, he's got to come to get it. Uh, Joe, um, that, was, that was me. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I said, yeah. He knows. Hi. That was a text to you, actually, in private. So thanks. <laughs> Well, you're not alone. I mean, there's thousands of them. It's well, like no, a, I a, mean, I've, I th- that was the first time, <laughs> and it couldn't have been more of a joke. I mean, he of is course. also really good, so it would be nice. And that's about as far as my thought process goes on it is, yeah, it would be nice. He's good. I mean, go for it. I don't know who the Islanders give Toronto that they care about. And what a Burke thing to say. They need more grit and sandpaper. That's very <laughs> right. 20 years ago, like when he was relevant. So I, that doesn't well, surprise me. Well, let me say let me say this: if you look on his page, he's li- he's listed as a center. So there, you know, that's that's kind of red flag for me. Number one, I mean, I under- listen. Yes, look at the numbers: thirty-one goals in sixty-eight games this year. Then you have to kind of understand that what kind of talent he was playing with in Toronto. Yeah, not a listen. They finished worse than the Islanders, but they obviously have a lot more frontline talent. Um, where he's not going to be surrounded by that kind of top-tier talent, uh, hypothetically, if he were to come to New York. I mean, Eberle and Barzell with with Nylander, that's... Uh, sure. If, if, I mean, if I, he, I'd put that line against... 100%. And, you know, uh, Tavares, Marner, that's kind of tough. That's a, that's, that'd be really... That'd Marner, be a good... Marner, I mean, I think that would be the line. Yeah, that would be a good... I want to see that. <laughs> I, that, that, that's putting me in the seat. I'll tell you that I'm buying a ticket. <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. you're getting your mom, you know, I'm going to get my money's worth out of that hockey game. I, I think that makes those teams really formidable. If, especially if that means if they give up Nylander and even if it's a three-way trade where the Toronto gets another player, um, a, a slightly deeper Maple Leaf team is dangerous. Like if Absolutely. they, if they figure out the right side, um, on their D and just kind of round out their bottom six. I don't know. I think they're, they're pretty close to being a serious contender. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, it doesn't mean Nylander's coming along out. No, of, just... of course. Let, get that, get that notion out of your head now um, until, you know, God forbid you wake up one morning and it actually happens. Me specifically. 
me, I should just get out of my own head. Oh, you're no, not listen. talking to anybody else. <laughs> no, you're you you are not alone. Oh, royal you, the royal you. Okay, I get it. I'm sorry. I thought you were yeah. I thought you were attacking me again no, on my own no, podcast. No, 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 That's... no, never. Are you? Well, I would never be so crazy <laughs> to do that. I'm, I'm uh, shaking the group already. You'll save it for text. It's fine. I understand. That's fair. That uh, we'll save it for the group chat. Exactly. Um, but again. Um, it's not like, you know, he would come to the island and like you said, he would be on the line with, say, Barzal and Eberle, but you'd be playing him on the left wing. And how good is he on the left wing? I mean, it's a lot of question marks. Granted, that being said, I can't turn left when I skate. If you put me on Matt Barzell's wing, I'm going to play better than if I would play against a lot of other, you know, play alongside a lot of other people. Um, I think, you know, I, I would go with a... I, I don't want to say a more natural winger. I think William Nylander is incredibly talented. Um, I just, I don't know why. I, I think it's just more of a pipe dream than anything. But then again, I think a lot of the names that are out there is is a pipe dream for the Islander, Islanders until proven otherwise, because that's what, you know, that's what history suggests. It's Is, you know, the Nylander holding out and all that kind of thing, is that kind of thing, is that something that Lou would just stay 100 feet away from? He has no interest in bringing that kind of in culture. Like he, he kind of ironed it all out on Long Island. You yeah. bring, you want to bring someone like that in? I, yeah. I don't think so. That's an that's a that's a wonderful point uh, because throughout this whole run, uh, you know, even to the day they were eliminated, Anders Lee is fighting back tears uh, at the podium. And, you know, this is a brotherhood. This is a family. The locker room chemistry is, is the, you know, the strongest we've seen. Um, and I think that's why um, Lou has constantly said over the last couple of weeks that his number one priority is retaining the core of this team, the heart and soul of this team. It's getting those RFAs, those UFAs, and it's trying to bring back as many as possible, uh, which kind of goes off of our last point. Why is he doing X, Y, and Z? Um you know, again, and, and he, t- he talked about it today, and, and I'm quoting him here. Uh, we're in the same position that we were a week ago as far as what our intentions are. Whatever we have to get done, hopefully we will. Not as confident as he sounded last week, but at the same time, it's like they're in a holding pattern. So all of those moves that he, he made, all of those offers that he extended to those RFAs, um, it's all a part of the greater plan, I guess. Um, so. It's it's just kind of like you said, it's that wait and see kind of thing, and uh, who knows if that that top score will come with it, which I'm sure we're going to touch on more. So I'll wait to delve into that. <laughs> well, it's funny because you you were hesitant to say William Nylander is one of those guys who you have to go and get because he might not be the right fit, and I don't disagree with you. So that leads me to the question, though: How are we gauging what's a good fit? On this team, there are so many names out there right now who could be had, uh, who might be available. But at the same time, you know, Lou Lamorell comes out with that quote. Well, you don't even know how many guys actually might be available. I think there's more people available than you might think. He said that. So how are we gauging what is a good fit for this team? And, and who do you think that that might be? Yeah, see, this is what's so hard because, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not a scout or, you know, I don't know how these people are behind closed doors and how they interact with certain teammates and everything like that. Um, So it's hard to say who's truly a fit. Um, But 
again, like we saw at the trade deadline, identifying J.G. Pajot as a top priority and Andy Green as a guy that can come in and get big minutes if he needed to. These are guys that will fit that all-knowing system uh, that has been ingrained in the Islanders' culture over the last two years. Um, that being said, there is now this promise for these free agents, for these top-line names who are suddenly looking at the Islanders as a potential destination, that this is, in fact, a destination, which has yeah. been talked about ad nauseum during the offseason. New building, they're a contender, things are looking up for the franchise, it's now a destination for free agents. Well, it's one thing to say it, and it's one thing to do it. But if there are players, and for example, this is just hypothetically speaking, because people will jump down my throat like they have on Twitter, because it's the worst place in the world. Because you're the Joe Pantorno. The, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um if you get a guy like, say, Taylor Hall, who has been in the league for 10 or 11 years and he's 29 years old and he hasn't been on successful teams and he hasn't touched the playoffs and X, Y, and Z, I think, you know, you suddenly you look at the Islanders as this is a team that has it. The culture is there. The institution, it's, it's waiting for me. I am that piece that can come in and put them over the top. All I have to do like Taylor Hall, like Mike Hoffman, is tweak my game this much, a little bit. And, and we're on a podcast here, so I have two fingers very close together. <laughs> you can't see me. Um, but that's all I have to do. Um, and I think with that promise of, hey, you know what? If I can kind of mold into this system, if I can put any potential ego aside, and again, that's all hypothetical because, I, again, I don't know these players as people. If they can do that, um, all of a sudden, then, yeah, you know what? They will be inclined to sign for the Islanders, and they can fit into that system, and then finally that missing piece is there. Um, so it's, again, this is all hypothetical. I don't want to get people excited, but you would think that would be the thought process of a veteran player uh, who is looking to finally take that next step or is starving for that playoff success. I, I got to say, the more that I've thought about Hall, especially after hearing that he was looking to take a shorter deal, the more I think he's the guy. Uh, yeah, his best friend plays for the Islanders. I, that yeah, that was my that was my next thought too. Like you know, his how, best how, how do you here. pass up playing with Eberle and Barzal? And you got to be kidding. He would be. He's your best friend. He'd be your line mate, and you're playing with one of the most exciting upcoming players in the NHL in, in Barzell, how do you not see the potential, you know? And, and, and that's the thing, you know, he would, he would come here if he would come here and he would see almost how every other free agent sees it when they come here or, or, or whoever's traded here that they love it. Everybody loves coming to long Island and playing on long Island when they come. So it, it, I, I think that yes, he could be the guy. It's very possible. Is it going to be able to to work it work out? I'm not sure. I don't know if they can manage the money. I, I'm assuming they're going to try. Um, I think that I think it's closer than we think. I think you're my, right. My my opinion. I think he's closer to being that kind of guy. But if he is thinking about taking that short term deal, and yeah, he's he's really not played with. I mean, he did play with Kessel this year, and it didn't. In a couple other talented guys in Arizona, that that team's in flux itself. It's no Islanders, 
I'll say he's that. Just, he's sure. just had a, a bad sh- luck streak of team being on teams who haven't been able to figure it out in, in, in the time period he was on them with. You know, Edmonton was was a, a, a dumpster fire for a, a, you know up until they got Conor McDavid, and then they traded Tella Hall. Uh, the Devils were in, in the midst of, of starting their rebuild. He, he got there at, at a bad time and still put up a, an MVP candidate season, carried them to the playoffs. And, and then this hey, very year, him and, him and Kincaid dragged that team. Right, the, exactly. Yeah. And then that very next year, it was like, OK, it, that never happened. I think he got hurt, too, which which, you know, hurt the Devils, obviously. But, the, you know, they were never the same after that. Uh, then he goes to Arizona, who it's like they're looking to trade Ekman Larson. I heard uh, Clayton Keller might be available. It's just they haven't been able to figure it out. So if he can find a team who knows how to figure it out, and like Joe said before, find some consistency and in an organization that's I'm, I'm not going to call them incompetent, but the Islanders organization is very competent right now. They're they're being run by the best in, in behind the bench and and in the press box and all that. They're being run by the best. So if he can find an organization, like Joe said, it's 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 just it's a it's a kismet fit. Like you said, it's a kismet fit. I mean, there's there's just there's a lot more going for it than isn't. Other other than the big thing that isn't though, is the money. Right, and 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 here's the problem. Uh, earlier today, Kyle Turris was was placed on waivers uh, in uh, an attempt to buy him out, and then that's going to free up, I think, about. Uh, I want to say something around $4 million a year for, for the Nashville Predators. And then there's a rumor that they're going all in on Taylor Hall. So that's all well and good, but is, is Nashville a destination that Taylor Hall wants to go and play? Don't get me wrong. It's not a bad organization. They're very good. But are they are they still going up or are they starting to maybe go down at this point? You know, Pekka Rene is a little bit older. Uh, you, you know, they're they're core players are you know they had a little bit of a down year last year they were first round uh exit in the in the playoffs so is nashville a destination he wants to even go to i mean it's it's not all bad um you know nashville's still pretty desirable i mean if you just look at their roster i mean listen matthew shane wanted to go play there um you know they have the they have a norris trophy winning defenseman um it's 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 not you know it's obviously not all bad in Nashville. And they've been a lot more successful, you know, over the past five or six years than say the Islanders have been. Um, and yeah, no, I've, I've kind of heard that too, that Nashville is going to go for, is going to go for Hall. Um, but kind of going off what you said, and, and obviously the money is the big thing. Uh, we know that we know that the Islanders are strapped for cash right now, unless they do some, uh, you know, cap gymnastics and get rid of some of these big contracts. Um, but you said that Hall would be willing to take a shorter deal. And that is true because I think his next deal is going to be something more of a show-me deal. He didn't have a good season last year. He has this reputation that he's injury-prone. Um, so he's he's got a good amount to prove still, um, where his value is not nearly as high as it was a few years ago, say, if he were to hit the market then. Um, you know, say, if he were to hit the market two or three years ago, then – never in a million years would the Islanders be able to afford this guy um, just given their current situation right now. So, you know, again, hypothetically speaking, and I will say that till I'm blue in the face. um, If you're able to sell Hall or whomever on the idea, on the concept, on the culture 
of everything Long Island and the Islanders, uh, you know what? He might take a little bit of a discount to come to the realization that, hey, you know what? I'm going to be flanking Matt Barzal. On the other side, on the other wing, that's my best friend. Uh, you know, we all, again, you got to get the guys there first. But like you said, Long Island's a great place to live. I mean, you know, new arena, new culture. If you win here, you're, you know, you're ending droughts. You're getting, uh, you know, you're getting your number retired. You're going to get a, you're going to get a statue built one day. I mean, it's, that's how starved this organization is. You could be the savior. Um, and, and we know Long Island's a hockey town. We know the fans are rabid. The stand base is amazing. If you could do that here, you're a god. Um, and I think that's something that needs to be properly broadcast to these free agents. And, you know, I'm sure the pitch to Artemi Panarin was great. Um, and, and that's what I'm always going to say. You, you can't just sell. You, you just can't sell the team. You know, you can try and sell Long Island. Oh, you know, there's the promise of the new arena. But now you can finally say, hey, look at us. We made it to the Eastern Conference final. Yeah. We're right yeah. there. And I'm not saying that would have, you know, gotten Panarin to the Islanders because no, it wouldn't have. But they were extenuating. Huge. Yeah, there were extenuating circumstances and stuff like that. But you know what? All right, you miss on Panarin. Well, you know what? You might be able to hit on Paul or Hoffman or whomever. And that's so, and that's that was one of my points that I wanted to bring up before was that he missed out, Lam, meaning Lamorello, he missed out on Panarin last year. And I can't, I know everyone's telling me, but there's a flat cap and everything. And I totally get that. But after he almost made a move for Parise and, and got rid of Ladd, I don't doubt anything that Lamorello wants to try and do. And after missing out on Panarin last year, he swung. He offered more money. He did everything he was supposed to do. I cannot imagine he's happy sitting around and, and, and waiting for a role player and signing a role player. He wants a superstar. He wants someone to shotgun with Matt Barzell on the top line. And he wants to do it not only for the team, but he needs to keep Matt Barzell after this supposed bridge deal he's going to sign. So it 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 needs to happen for not only uh, you know the, the sake of the fans, but he needs to keep some of his players happy, and it, he needs to show them like, guys, I know we're two games away from from making a Stanley Cup final appearance. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I got to do to put us over the edge. Do we? Do we care if Hall signs, he's on a one or two year deal and then walks or isn't re-signed or it's mutual? Like it brings them some, some success. Uh, maybe they make the Eastern Conference final another time. Maybe they make it to all the way to the final. Um, maybe they make it to game seven of the second round. Like, is it great? Two years, win now, see what happens. Um, if he plays really well, we can uh, we can resign him, but not someone you know. He'll be thirty one, thirty two. Kind of see how he plays and go from there. Uh, that's that's tough. Um, you know, that's a lot of what ifs. Um, but at the same time, if you know, if he comes here and he falls in love with the place, and um, you know, whatever he's a, you know, one day he's an alternate captain or something like that. And, um, you know, he does something like what Anders Lee does last year, where he doesn't sign a deal until he, you know, sees what the team did. And, you know, I'll take less money if that means, you know, we can get X, Y, and Z. That'll put us over the top. Um, 
you know, again, and, and that has a lot more of speaking about the individual, which, you know, I'm, I'm just not qualified to do. Um, but I think any Islanders fan would sign up for a one or two year deal of Taylor Hall for now and treat it like a test run. And yeah. then, you know, you hope and, and, you know, you hope that either Lamorello, when that time comes, either Hall shows enough where, okay, you know what? He's an Islander for the rest of his career. Or it's, okay, thank you for your two years. You know, have fun finding greener pastures. And, you know, it's time in a perfect world. Um, you know, Kiefer Bellas is just going to come in and step up and slot right in. Something like that. Right. Where, you know, Hall's a placeholder. Um, or Lamarillo does something like this again, where he just finds the next best option and he goes out and he gets it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And the, the reason why I'm sitting here and saying yes, absolutely, is because it's more than anything we've ever had since Ziggy Palfy. Uh, let's be real. You know, we, we thought back in, <laughs> what, 2015 that we were like, oh, we got Thomas Vanek. And we were like, we're going to we're going to go to the playoffs where we're going to make a deep run. Yeah. Look how that worked out. This is the most we've had since literally or it would this would be the most we've ever had since Ziggy Palfy. It's necessary. And it, it I would absolutely take a one or two year deal and see where it goes from there. Sure. So at the, at the end of the day, this is a guy who, you know, we've seen him do it. He can put up 90 points in a season. Yeah, absolutely. How and, do you not sign up for that? And, and, and he, he won the MVP. So which is, yeah. which is huge. Um, something else that happened today, very interesting to me, you know, we're talking about some guys who, who might fit, who might not fit. Um, Anthony DeClaire was not qualified by the Ottawa Senators. Now, here's my thoughts on this. Um, we just acquired J.G. Peugeot at the trade deadline back in what seems like forever, but it was just February. Um, and who who did J.G. Peugeot skate with when he was over in Ottawa? It was Anthony DeClaire. Um, there is still a, a, a need to fill that third-line wing role um, and, and – of course, I would like it to, to maybe come from within and maybe be Wallstrom or they sign a top line winger and maybe that bumps somebody down on the depth chart. But uh, if all else fails, you know, you got to think that Lamorello turns around to J.G. Peugeot and says, hey, uh, you know, I'm thinking about going after Anthony DeClaire, 25 plus goals, all star team last year. Uh, you skated with him for, for uh, you know, the first half of the season last year. Uh, is he a guy who, if he comes into his locker room, he fits and he can help the team win? Yeah, that's um, – Duclair's a bit of a um, – I, I wouldn't say it's an unknown. You know, this is, is a young player. He, he put up a career year. He had 23 goals in 66 games before COVID. Not really much of a distributor. Is it sustainable? Um, and, that's you know, the question. Exactly. And, you, you know, you can put him next to Pajot, but at the same time, then you're bringing him into a log jam. Um, and again, what is that going to do for Wallstrom or Bellows or Hosang or whoever else could be possibly waiting in the wings? Maybe some of the guys who we drafted in a year or two's time, whether it's Young Kranz or, or Jeffries, whoever it might be. Um, you know, I, I think in a, again, this is in a perfect world. This is a name that the Islanders can maybe visit down the road 
when it comes to the realization, if they come to the realization that that top premier scorer isn't going to be available for them this year, or it's unattainable. Um, where in, in, again, in a perfect world, they go out, they get their top line winger and he's a sniper and he's a revelation on the power play and he can score 35 goals a season. And Anders Lee can be a third liner. And that is where I think that is the perfect place for him. Um, given his style of play where he gets his butt kicked every shift because he's playing down low, he's playing in front of the net. He's not a burner. He's not a skilled player. He's just a hard-nosed, gritty, and effective hockey player when he's put in the right spot. And for yep. me personally, he's just he's not in the right spot on the honest first line. It's just that's not going to be the case. Where if you put him with a like-minded player like Pajot that can adapt to basically anybody who he's playing around, like we saw in the playoffs, that is perfect for Anders Lee. Where all of a sudden this conversation of Anthony Duclair is trivial, where it's expendable, where, you know what, it, it would be a luxury, but no, we don't need him. Look at the depth that we, look at the depth that is already there for the Islanders, where, you know what, yeah, you know, a, a year ago or, or two years ago, his name came up and, oh, you know, well, it, it, this is kind of appealing. You know, he has the promise of a goal-scoring punch, and that's something that we could use right now. But now I think that conversation has shifted where, he, he's a talent, 100%. And I think he's going to have a really successful career in the National Hockey League. But I I just don't think there's that fit or that need for him on Long Island. Yeah, I I, I think I, I agree with you there. And, and I really love your point about uh, Anders Lee. It was something I had tweeted out uh, not too long ago. I think he'd be a perfect fit for the third line. And, and I had people come at me and say, well, we didn't sign him for $7 million a year to play on the third line. And I said, pump the tires there, man, because, <laughs> you know, we we signed him at seven million dollars a year because one, he's our captain and two, he brings more more intangibles to the team than just what he brings on the ice. Yes, he did score 40 goals at one point. Are we going to see that again? Not likely. But I do think with less minutes that he can be a 30 goal scorer again and off the third line. That's beautiful. I take that every day. And for seven million dollars a year. Yeah. Sign me up. Because he'll he'll park himself in front of the goaltender every shift if he has, you know, instead of 19 minutes a game, 14 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game. It's less bang on his body and you'll get more out of him. So I, I think that's a, a perfect situation for him. Listen, when, when all is said and done, five or six or seven years down the road, um, Islanders fans are going to be talking about the second greatest captain of franchise history in Anders Lee. So I don't want to hear about that $7 million a year. Because in 15... In 15 years, you're not going to have to worry about that. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, so, I, I, again, the the uh, the situation right now, it, like I said before, as it stands, it is just we don't know what's going to happen, and and all these question marks are in the air, and and you know what we're hearing come through. Broussard's going to extend, maybe. What do I think about that? Um, you know. If he if Lou is just trying to solidify the third line and he thinks, look, our window is now, I don't mind it. If it's a one, maybe two year deal, I don't think I mind it. You know, Broussard might want to say, I like what I saw from Broussard when he was playing on JG Peugeot's wing, when he was playing in, in the postseason. I don't know why he was scratched for those games that he was scratched for, because I do honestly think he played well. 
Um, some people brought up, you know, well, he was scratched. Why would we want to resign him? But look deeper into it. He actually was productive. He played well. He was a big part of why the Islanders got as deep as they did in, in these playoffs. No, no, he was, he was invaluable. Um, he was that big game brass that everybody was expecting when the Islanders did sign him. Um, and again, in that respect, that goes back to Lamarillo just wanting to retain that core. Uh, listen, Broussard's contributions during the regular season aren't going to jump off the page at you, but at the same time, this is that stabilizing force uh, within the bottom six that just can kind of, whatever it might be, uh, it, it can help calm things down. It can help see a team through the last little stretch of the season, get them out of uncomfortable situations. Um, and every once in a while, you know what, he comes in and he, he pops a highlight real goal out of nothing. Um, listen, this is a high IQ. This is a, this is a smart hockey player. Even though there were some instances uh, like that penalty against the Rangers um, in that overtime loss uh, earlier this year, where you know what the random mental mistake might come, but most of the time, when Barry Trotz calls on somebody and expects them to do something, they need to do it, and Derek Broussard does that. Um, and I think when he was scratched during the postseason, it was more of a size issue more than anything, hoping that whatever Johnson could bring in something. Or you just needed somebody like Dal Cole to come in, keep his head down, do his job, and just provide a strong forward check with a little bit more physicality. But again, you're trading in some skill for it. But it, it seemed to happen, at least throughout the first three rounds, that whatever Barry was touching, it was turning to gold. So, um, you know, he made those things, you know, it, it wasn't like it was vindictive. It wasn't like Broussard wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Um, it's just that. You know, you have to come to the terms that Derek Broussard is a role player um, and he's not going to carry your offense per se. So, um, again, it's just keeping that culture and that uh, that team chemistry all together. Yeah. I mean, uh, who said it? Lane Vignolt, I think, said, you know, how many teams have a Derek Broussard on their third line? Right. You know, so right. he was talking about just how deep they are and how much deeper he makes the Islanders. So, uh, I, I, again, I, I don't mind uh, keeping him around for another year or two. Don't you want some stability there, though? Like, if he's going to be on the roster, don't you play him? Or you got a guy like Peugeot. Why are you not keeping some wingers around him on, on a consistent basis? Like, that's kind of my worry is I'm not worried about pissing him off. I think he's a professional. He's, not, he's just going to play with whoever. But to, to actually have a third line that can play game in and game out together. Sure. I, you know, Put Broussard in there. Put Wallstrom in there. Don't have this carousel of, again, the the guys that I mentioned before, Kamara, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Um, I understand that there's some coaching that needs to be done and adjustments game to game, who you're playing in a series, who needs a boost, all this kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. Maybe I just don't see that from other teams. Maybe they're, all their coaches aren't as active as Barry Trotz is. I mean, he's an award-winning coach. Who the hell am I? Um, but it just seems like they don't get the, like Peugeot was good because Peugeot was good. Mm-hmm. You know, those other guys, Pe- Broussard honestly was power play stuff in playoffs. That's where he, that's where he shined. Um, so it's kind of interesting to me. James calls it the black hole. Um, but they, I, they need to s- solidify something. And that's why, you know, I'm more on the, 
on the side, you know, not a Duclair type, you know, another third line player, Broussard or whatever, um, get somebody up the lineup in and move some players down. And then just, you just got to choose one winger. That's all. If there's any moving parts there, it's one guy and not both wingers throughout the, the, the series or regular season. Yeah, um, and and this is me maybe just injecting some more talking points or getting people riled up. Maybe the fourth line isn't going to be the fourth line next year. Um, you know, who knows if Matt Martin's going to come back? Um, you know, so maybe this retention of Broussard is, you know, has something in mind where you know what he will be that third line wing and you know a guy like Leo Komarov might go on the fourth line you know this is all again we just don't know because there's so many moving parts right now um where you know I can't 100% put my finger on well okay well you know what Derek Broussard is going to center the third line or you know what he could maybe play wing on the third line or who knows if you know the fourth line is blown up maybe he can go down to the fourth line it's just is there's so many questions which you know it's kind of nice to have all these talking points because Islanders fans are getting to do this on an actual good team, uh, which is, it, it, it's a nice change of pace. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that, I think there's so many unknowns um, surrounding Broussard. And I think we all kind of had that same reaction when we did see that they were in talks to extend his stay here. It was just kind of like, huh? Cause I think yeah. it was a foregone conclusion for a lot of people at the end of the season. It was like, well, you know what? Broussard's going to go. That'll allow us to whatever shift lead down to the third line and get that first line winger and everything like that. So, um, yeah, um, it, it's that wait and see game, which, you know, who are we to tell Islanders fans to be patient, but yeah, you got to <laughs> wait a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We're still waiting and seeing on the free agent front and we're still see- waiting and seeing on the restricted free agent front too. Uh, the, the Islanders still have not, uh, you know, I don't even think made any offers yet to, uh, Matt Barzell, Ryan Pollock and Devin. Well, Tate. they were qualified. They yeah, were I don't know qualified. what that, I don't, I don't know what that means as far as the, type of contract or anything like that but yeah the conversations are happening which is what we want to hear and i'm sure they've been happening since the end of the season right so the the islanders did extend the qualifying offers um but we're assuming that the uh you know the the full offer will be coming hopefully sometime soon i I mean i don't know if this is going to shake out through uh the rest of the winter until the start date but uh, i'm hoping it's not going to happen uh, I know that Newsday had published an article not too long ago saying that Islanders should have no problem re-signing Matt Barzell, and, and, I, and I don't think that that's going to be the case. Um, but, you know, it, it would be tough to hang around and, and really have to wait on, is this going to happen? And then, of course, you're going to have those those players who say, oh, you know, John Tavares 2.0, and it's, it's going to be a fun carousel. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think, like I said earlier, um, all of the moves that Lamorello has made so far will make sense soon. We just don't know it yet. And, and that's, that's where we're at right now. Um, one, one last point I wanted to touch on, too, um, is that the buyout period is still open. Um, and there are there, there's an interesting name out there that I, I would personally not like to pursue. It's such an it's such an islanders of old move to to pursue but uh bobby ryan was bought out by the ottawa senators and and he is uh now a, a, a unrestricted free agent um is that is that a guy that if all else fails you guys want to see on this team no 
<laughs> and, no. and that's the episode, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, nah, I mean, listen, um, you don't need – this team doesn't need to, A, get older, uh, B, get unknowns, C, get guys who are producing at shells of what they used to. Right. Um, and I, listen, I what Bobby Ryan has been able to do uh, over the last year, just getting back and producing and, um, you know, just kind of getting everything, uh, you know, in his corner sorted out. Um, it's incredibly admirable and he should be uh, applauded and, and he's certainly been awarded for it. Um, and anything good that is coming his way, he, he absolutely deserves for the work that he, that he put in. Um, but that is a, exactly, it's an Islanders move from 2007, from 2011, yeah. from 2013, from 2015. Um, you don't need that now. Um, I think if you ever do get to that situation, um, just do that with the kids. Bring up the kids, bring up the youngsters, give them that NHL experience, get them up here. Um, I, I feel like you don't need Bobby Ryan to do that again, unless, you know, there are some extenuating, unforeseen, disastrous circumstances, which I can't possibly put a finger on right now that would prompt you to even, you know, pick up the phone and call him. Um, but yeah, no, I personally, if, if I were the Islanders, I would, uh, I would stay away. There's just a lot of guys in front of him. There's a lot of other options out there that even if they're not ideal, they're just a better option than a Bobby Ryan. And he's, he's a guy I wish the Islanders picked up a number of years ago, frankly. He, sure. that kind of with Tavares type thing, really highly skilled. I think he would have been able to put the puck in the net alongside a guy, a guy like Tavares. And um, said, so I felt the same way about Pavelski years ago. I wanted the Islanders to go after a Couture or Pavelski or Bobby Ryan and, these guys that had a lot of experience that were up from out west with a slightly different style and kind of inject them into an Islanders lineup that um, they really needed just kind of a shakeup at that point. But now, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys in front of them that that just doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Any uh, any buyouts coming for the Islanders? Uh, you know, in, in old days, um, there might've been a few, but, uh, really it's, it's, I don't think there's really any buyouts right now that would be worth it. That would clear up that much needed cap space. Um, so I, I, you know, there aren't really any big ones that are at least coming to mind right now. Um, and I really haven't heard anything that would suggest otherwise, but again, you know, trying to get a look into the Islanders is, you know, looking through an impenetrable fortress. You can't, you know, you just can't get in there. Um, So, um, but, you know, at least from what I'm ascertaining right now, I I don't see any buyouts happening. Yeah. I think it would, it would cost something like, you know, three and a half million dollars to, to buy out Andrew Lodd still. I think like it would cost, it costs them less money to bury him in the AHL or stick him on long-term injured reserve than it does to buy him out. So, Right. Uh, no, no buyouts coming uh, for the for the 2020 offseason, uh, as far as we can tell. Um, so cross that off your list of things to do for the Islanders this offseason. Um, but I think that's about it, guys. That wraps up this uh, the longer episode this week. Um, had a great time, Joe. Thank you for hopping on th- this week. And uh, 
Joe will be part of the the regular rotation uh, every I think every first uh, episode of the new month he will be joining us so uh, it is the first episode of October happy October guys and uh, you know follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nassiman Hockey uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at James, James Nichols NYI John where can they find you at John Zella with no H and Joe where can they find you uh, Joe Pantorno, no spaces, and boy, am I sorry that you guys are going to have to put up with this voice once a month. Now. <laughs> uh, well, we're happy to have you, and we're looking forward to uh, some really good content moving forward. It's not going to stop. We have a full full plan uh, coming for the uh, the off season. It's going to be short. I know it's, it might feel like it, it's going to be long, but I'm telling you, it's going to be quick. Um, we're excited to to roll out some uh, some new content, and we have some things lined up that are uh, pretty exciting. So. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and until next time, guys, let's go out. Let's go.